got it. Ten seconds remaining. Looks like it's going to be a draw. Looks like it's heading for a draw. Maguire down the line. North. Hi everybody and welcome to the Lot Pod, Lead Rhinos, Lot 17A podcast, mailbag Christmas special with a very special guest who Reese will introduce in a moment. Reese, how have you been? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Who have we got on with us today? Well, it's our first ever returning special guest. It is. So, I'm Look not sure. Up. He's actually he actually wanted to come back on, which is a uh, I don't know what it says about us, uh, Eddie, but it's uh, Barry McDermott. <laughs> so we'll bring him in. Hi, Barry. Hello, gents. Hello, Sorry, gents. That was I wanted you to were just put in your tea. Listen, were you? I wanted to come on because I appreciate what you lads bring. Um, I met the lads oh. from the Red V podcast. Um, yes. I know, yes, I know you've I know you've corresponded with them, but we did a Malmeninga uh, event at St Helens, which was excellent. Mm. And I saw the two lads, and a bit like you two, I'm I'm a I'm a bit of a nerd and a bit of a geek with all my rugby stuff. People don't expect you to be; they, they expect you to stay at that top level. But I'm not. I'm just everybody says it, but I am a fan, and I gather all my information from all over. So when I saw the two lads, I don't know their names like I know yours. I went straight over and introduced myself. Their the mouths were down here. They were like, oh. And I said, listen, anytime, anytime you want, anytime you want me to pop on, do a season preview or just shoot the breeze, as they say, or even, you know, talk about a bit of Saint stuff because I'm over everything. Yeah. I'm obviously, I'm obviously, you, are, yeah. you know, where yeah, my you obviously you want to like. talk about the 2007, yes. the 2008, the 2009, <laughs> yeah. and the 2011 grand yeah. final. It's obviously not yeah. 2022 because we're not going to go there. Yeah. I don't mind mentioning that to Wilkin. He's got, he's still got physical scars <laughs> over those games. Never mind emotional scars. But yeah, thank you for having me back on. Yeah, thanks no, for having me back Thank on. you for coming on, Barry. It's been, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you once more. So this is the Christmas mailbag special. We asked you, our listeners, our followers on Twitter, on social media, to fire your questions over to us, to Barry, in the usual mailbag way obviously this coming out at christmas there's a lot of christmas themed questions here barry the first one is from mick and mick asks barry did you enjoy playing on boxing day usual boxing i always did yeah yeah i loved it and and we were just chatting before i I haven't missed one Mm -hmm. since i retired either i like going to watch the Boxing Day games to see the next batch to see who's had a good pre season. Mm. They're, they're about halfway through by the time they get to that Boxing Day. But typically, you'll get mm. the international lads on a break, you'll get the senior players on a break, and you'll get to see the next batch. However, when I had to play, uh, or when I was in the middle of my career, I would rather play than train. So even if I came back off an yeah. international tournament, I'd say I'm putting my hand up for Boxing Day, and it just kept me on yeah. the right side of the Christmas mm. selection boxes. Um, 
because I had to look after myself. So yeah, I loved it. I always loved it. I it's like playing. Is it I still did. quite a serious yeah. game? Because it's a half eleven kickoff on a Boxing Day. You know, are you, are you allowed a, a few beers the night before? Are you, are you, or no. Is it, still, is it still full professional? This is proper preseason. No, I can only talk. I can only talk about my my time. But even in my time, when we did enjoy a drink, not not it wouldn't enter my head to have a a loose Christmas. Um, you'd be training right up until that point. Anyway, occasionally we trained on a on a. Um, a Christmas Eve. Uh, sorry, occasionally we trained mm. on a Christmas day, but predominantly you'd finish on Christmas Eve and then that'd be it then. Um, I remember my first year we played Cass in a in a proper game, mm. not not a warm-up game. My first year was 95 and we had um, Kempe, Tony Kemp and George Mann at six and seven. Mm. We were... We, six and seven, yeah. In, yeah, in them days, you're down to the bare bones by the time you get down to Christmas because... You know, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're heading towards that downhill slog. But yeah, and I, I never missed it if I could help it and I always enjoyed it. Well, sticking on the Christmas theme then, we might as well, we talked about Boxing Day, we'll have to talk about Christmas uh, Day now and particularly Christmas dinner. Um, so there's a question from Josh saying, if you had to choose, no gravy or Yorkshire puddings, but you could have all the veg and pigs and blankets or only Brussels sprouts, but you get all the gravy and Yorkshire puddings. Oh, that is a tough because, well, not for me because I can eat anything. Literally, I can eat anything. If you convince me that it's good for <laughs> Edgar Curtis, who we had in the in the late nineties, as our conditioner used to say, stop thinking of food as 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 you know to make your taste buds tingle. It's it's for nutritional value, which now I apply to everything. Doesn't matter whether it's three three o'clock in the morning and, and I'm eating a doner kebab or it's. Um, <laughs> It's a, a, a mucky-looking ball of Brussels sprouts. I'll just get it down, mate. But you cannot have... So I'm, this is my Christmas dinner. It's 50% meat. It's about 30 <laughs> or 40% of veg. And then I've got a couple of roasties, Yorkshire puddings, and then as much gravy as I can get on. I'm not a big mash lover. No. Well, no, it's a, it's really? a, you have to have roast potatoes, right? It's, it's, it's uh, effect, Christmas dinner is effectively a Sunday dinner. That's, if we're going to become a yeah. friend. Um, yeah, you just, you've just got turkeys and a beef. Um, you yeah. mentioned the Donna kebab. Actually, you don't go to Danny Mags's special place, do you? I can't remember which one he said no. it was. He's the one he was obsessed with. Can you remember? It's it one in Woodlesford. One in Woodlesford. It's one in Woodlesford. Can't remember what he said. He's, he's posh, isn't he? He lives out. He lives lives out in posh. But if I'm getting, if I was getting a Donna kebab in Leeds, it'd be. Um, well, I remember when I was on last time we were talking about Tati and Tariq's and how he used to get his pound special. Yeah. There's a there's a kebab yeah. house next door. I can't remember what that's called. But on the other side of Headingley, where Trio used to be, Trio's not there now. I, I know, mm-hmm. but a bit further down there on the right, as if you're heading towards the stadium, there's a decent one that stays open very late, apparently. <laughs> um, a question from Alan Barry. They do get a bit random, these questions. Who would you like to play you in a movie of your life, what actor do you think would play Barry McDermott? Steven Seagal, the only one with the hand speed, I think. <laughs> I would have thought Arnie, to be fair, but all right, we'll, we'll go there. <laughs> Tom Hardy, yeah. yeah. Tom, Ard- Tom Hardy's not big enough, he's only little, isn't he? Um, yeah. Not big enough. I, listen, I'm a, you can't go past Dwayne Johnson. I love Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne anything Johnson, he touches, yeah. oh man, anything he touches turns to 
platinum, never mind gold. So if I'm if I'm paying for the film, if I'm writing the script, then he's playing me. He'll have to grow a very grey beard, very patchy grey beard, and I don't think he's got much on top. Have to grow some hair. Yeah. He'll have to wig it. He'll have to wig it. I could see you as a uh, Maui, the demigod in Moana, Port Barry. Actually, correct, I think, I think correct, you could pull yeah. that off. Actually, I've got um, the tattoos for it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll stick on sort of the off rugby talk for now. Uh, in fact, well, no, I'm going to go to rugby because there's a question from Six again about that um, the Malmeninga night in Saint Helens. Um, Six again is asking who got the round. Was it you or Paul Surinan? Hey, it was funny. It was very funny. So the lad who I were working for said, I think Paul Surnan's going to be there. Do you, is, is there a problem? I said, nah. I said, there's no problem. I said, I, through social media, we sort of all keep in touch, all the people you have little little um, foxtrots with. So I, I've kept in touch with him for a while. And then when Curtis came over, I had a couple of chats with him, uh, bumped into him in a bar in Dublin, funnily enough. And um, mm-hmm. when Paul was there, he'd had, honestly, he must have had a dozen beers. He was, it was coming out of his ears, he's had that much. But um, <laughs> I'd said to him, said, I said, look, do you mind if I get you up on stage? And he said, no, not a problem. I said, I'll do a little bit of an intro. You come up on stage, yeah. you can have your right to reply, but I'm just going to have a bit of fun with it. You you fill your boots, you have loads of fun. There's no hard feelings here. And he went, right, right. But he he, he had, a, a, had, had a lot to drink. So Jenna, who I was with, said, oh, you know, I've seen Paul Cern and I believe you two had a bit of a run. And I said, yeah, I said, sometimes you've just got to get these things out in the air and in the open. I said, I feel things should be said. I said, I was playing in the game. The ball went over me. And I'm, I'm compressing it here. The ball went over me head. Paul Cern and caught it. He was two or three players away from me, but veered towards me, looked me right in the face and ran at me like that. And out of self-defence, I put my arm up. He ran right <laughs> onto my elbow and my arm hasn't straightened since. <laughs> and everybody thought it was really funny. And I thought it would be really funny if Ciro got up and gave a different version, but he was blowing bubbles. Yeah. So anything he said was... <laughs> was was um, slurry at best, but um, to answer the question, I would have bought him a beer, but I think Curtis took him out. Um, <laughs> he had his food, and then poof, he'd, he'd made a sharp exit. Whether he had somewhere else to go to, I don't know. But um, the, the bed, rugby bed lads are great. <laughs> rugby lads are great. Before I worked with um, Mal, I was with O'Connor and Gordon Tallis. And we had some great fun. Wow. We had some great fun. Yeah. Yeah. We did we did a couple of dinners together. He did quite a few on his own. And then we did a couple of dinners together, the three of us. And uh, we just had a load of fun. We'd arranged a night out, but uh, bloody train strikes scuppered that. O'Connor and Gordon and the, the two wives had had a night out while I was still on holiday. So you don't you don't mm. get many grudges that, that last the test of time. They just I think they just fizzle away. We all shrug our shoulders and say, you know, didn't we have fun? Depending on which side you yeah. finished on. Well, it's funny <laughs> the fact is there's a question that kind of rolls along, rolls along from that. So I know we're meant to be taking it in turns, Lottie, but I think this question nicely rolls on from Ian, who said, for all time's sake, how about a charity boxing match against Stuart Fielding? Yes, I think Stuart <laughs> would be in favour of that. Stuart would be in favour of that. I, <laughs> I, I'm still struggling with my neck and my shoulder, and I won't bore you with it. But 
Who knows? Maybe somewhere down the line. Maybe when we're pensioners, it it might get off the <laughs> it might get off the page. But um, it's def- it's definitely something he would be interested in. Although why I don't know, but I'll let him have his fun. <laughs> Got a few reasons. Uh, question from Emma. Back to the Christmas theme. What are your favourite Christmas songs, Barry? Do you have a favourite or a couple of favourite Christmas tunes? Oh, easy. Pogues. Pogues. Fairy yeah. Tale of New York. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, what are my other ones? I'm a Catholic, me, so there are a lot of hymns, a lot of songs that we used to sing in church. I'm not I'm not going to church at the minute. I've been for a good while, but about a decade. But um mm. yeah. Um I mean stepping to Christmas out on John. Stepping into Christmas, Elton John is a classic. Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Rea is a classic yeah. as well. Yeah, Chris Rea. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, but I love Fairy Tale in New York. Yeah, it's the best. Uh, yeah, it's the best. We'll stick. We'll stick on the Christmas theme and a similar sort of question. Um, is Die Hard a Chris, the, the best Christmas film, or is it even a Christmas film? No, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's a Christmas not. Film. It's not. I'm adamant. It's not. <laughs> what What is the best Open Christmas movie then? Listen. How can you have a Christmas song that says yippee ki motherfuckers in it? That's just not child-friendly, is it? No. No. You can't be sat round the table watching that at two o'clock in the afternoon, can you? Mine is Elf. Easy. Elf. 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 Yeah. yeah. We, have, mm. we have a few Christmas mm. traditions. I didn't carry many over from my parents, my mum and dad's. Um, mm. But when, when my son and, and kids, you know, we all... I think we all associate only fools and horses. It it just seems to be on repeat over over the yeah. course of sort of a week, uh, you know, maybe five days before and five days after. Mm. Only fools and horses really yeah, reminds me on. of Christmas. Yeah, classic. Um, Donna asks, "I would love to hear Barry's thoughts on Ireland's performance at the Rugby League World Cup. What did you make of mm. Ireland at the World Cup, Barry?" Mm. I was really disappointed, and I know Jed was. I went in to see him. They were um, they were sort of stationed in in uh, Lee for their game mm. against Lebanon, uh, and I know they were disappointed, bitterly disappointed after they'd played against Jamaica and done so well of the yeah. three games, New Zealand being the third one. They needed to win that Lebanon game, and they were very positive. Everybody was really enjoying the experience, and and. It's a different feeling. When I played for Ireland myself, I really enjoyed it and I felt yeah. a, a good kinship with the people who I, I was alongside. And, and it was, you know, it was a proud moment for my family. So it's different, really. There's there's very little money to earn from it. You come out, if you come out just about even, you're all right. So really what you want to do is make, a, make an impact on the tournament so that things get said over the other side so that you know the papers over in in um in ireland pick it up and they start generating a bit of interest over there and, and hopefully that makes kids pick up a rugby ball and, and ask what's the difference between league and union and that's that's always the, the job and the goal and I, and I know jed's really got that as his focus so he would have been disappointed with that lebanon game because it was a 50 50 you know maybe they had a bit better quality players but that luke Keir, in my word he, he's a great player and if he ever decides he wants to come over, I'd, I'd put him in blue and amber any day. Well, me too. Well, that's sort of a question to that. But I, what did you? What was your thoughts on the World Cup as a as, the, as a whole, including the women's and the PDRL and and the wheelchair? Well, I, I, and we were we were just talking before we went on it on, on, on there. 
on air on record um I purposely took myself away. I had a couple of job offers um, on, on radio and on TV, and I decided not to do it because I wanted to step back, watch it, and and listen yeah. to some of the other styles of of doing it. But I also I wanted to watch every game, and when mm. when I work during the year, I do every game, and, and we've discussed this before. I do every game, so I wanted a detox from sitting analysing it. And I wanted to just sit there as a fan and just watch it. So my thoughts were um, looking at it from a home nation's point of view. Scotland were the third worst of the home nations. They were they were very disappointed. Ireland had potential but ended up with disappointment. And then England saved the worst performance on, on the biggest hang, stage hang with the minute. Jeopardy. There's, there's, another, there's another home nation, Barry, that you've forgot to mention here. <laughs> just, just saying. You and this flag. There well, are four home nations. You're right, Reese, And that's why I waited till the last. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, good. I yeah. thought, I thought <laughs> Wales, of all the home nations... They were the team I enjoyed watching. Now, not, not to say that England yeah. didn't have a really coherent, fluid team where everybody um, everybody played well at different times and some stars, somebody like Dom Young, who, of course, we all know him, and I, I watched him when he was coming through the system at uh, Huddersfield, but he really shone on that mm. big stage. But I, I enjoyed it. And, and the, the game against the Cook Islands, my God. That was absolute yeah. heartbreak, wasn't it? Heartbreak. Well, yeah, even the game against Papua New Guinea. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by Wales because I wasn't really expecting anything. You look at the, I mean, no disrespect, you look at the squad and the, and the teams yeah. that you play for compared yeah. to, you know, the other yeah. the other smaller home nations. And you wouldn't have yeah. expected them to pack a punch, that much of a punch, but they had they yeah. had some great heart. John yeah. Keir did a really good job. Well, I was just going to say, you can't you can't ever undermine what J, what JK brings to a team. So there's there's a club coach that that puts infrastructure infrastructure and culture and all those things in place, and then there's tournament coaches and JK, as he's proved, is he's as a Challenge Cup coach, as an international coach, he can get players in the right frame of mind. He can get them, you know, with that simplistic outlook, and he can get them to perform. He, he, in 2000, was coaching England and they lost against uh, New Zealand badly in the semi-final. Again, funnily enough, in the semi-final. And I, I can't remember him getting another shot after that. But JK is a great coach. He's a, he's a, a, a real depth of knowledge on the sport, on the people that play the sport. Uh, and I know any organisation will be lucky to have him, whether he's... You know, on the grass with the whistle and, and and coaching players in in the traditional form, or he's or he's at the back just just twisting the knobs and and fiddling the switches. I think he's a, a great bloke, and you know what is he now? 62, 63, and still having an impact on our sport. So, yeah, I, he he did the best with what he had. You mentioned as well that you were obviously watching just as a fan and obviously listening to the styles of like commentary and punditry as well. There was a couple of we talked about the pundits and we thought James Graham was awesome, especially when he was paired up with yeah. Bossy. And there was the Lottie, what was the lady from BBC Merseyside? Was it Sharon? Um it was no, she's from BBC York. Sharon bit, oh, I always forget. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I thought she mean. was excellent as well. Was it was yes. it what what did you I mean, obviously what did you think Sharon of Shortle. those people and go on, sorry. Sharon Shortle. Sharon Shortle. Oh, yeah, so what, yeah. what did you did do you think we should get Vossi over the Super League is probably one question I, I would ask. Well, 
having spent some time with them two Aussies, you know, they know Vossi and they know he is he is a rugby nut. So they weren't surprised that he could come over here and call games with with our Super League players in. And um, yeah, uh, James Graham was he twenty twenty was he when he was over here playing for St Helens? So he had a knowledge mm-hmm. and a and a and an understanding of of a, the mentality and then be the the players on shore. It, it um, of course, I'd like to see him over here. I'd like to see us tick as many boxes as possible. I'd like to see the game have as many eyeballs, as, as many ears on it as possible. We, we, we've got such a great sport and there's no need to be, you know, greedy and selfish and, and, and you know, only looking at what your little corner is doing. I think, if anything, in the game, that's the fault of the game. The clubs have too much power. They're too club-centric yeah. and they don't realise that when you take a step backwards and when you share best practice and when you start looking at what the best thing absolutely the best thing for the game is it's to make sure and those good ideas so so yeah I'd love to see Vossi over yeah I'd certainly want to see some more international fixtures as well um for, you know a, a regular a regular regular internationals I think I know we've got France yeah. coming up next year but I think the big thing for me like you say being club centric especially over in Australia yeah that more regularity Mal- England Mal- they're only going to get better playing against those bigger yeah. nations regularly and Malman Ingram's all over it. And he, he said, um, he said, I've been saying to the International Federation for a long time that we need to set out that plan. We need to support the other nations. Uh, it was great spending time with Mal because I played against Mal. I've never spent any time socially, really. Never never sort of had mm. discussions with him like we did. And, um, you know, he, he was the same as us. He wants the game to grow in this country. He wants the game to grow back home. And for the international game to be the highlight and the pinnacle of our sport, it's got to overtake the beast that is the state of origin. And for us, mm-hmm. as a game, as a collective to do that, we've got to start putting somebody plans in place and not just, we don't know what's happening at the end of this year. Now, I hear on the grapevine the Kiwis are coming over. And then the year after that, mm-hmm. it might be the Aussies. But that, but that might change. That's a lot more exclusive. <laughs> yeah. I'd, well, I'd like to see. I'd like to see if that is the case. That third year, a, a, an international team, and I, and I'm a massive Great Britain fan, not just England. Um, I'm a massive Great Britain fan, and I'd say that you know you you bring New Zealand over, you bring Australia over the year after, you put some internationals in place with the home home nations, and and you know there'd be an understanding that it'd be classed as a midweek fixture. It wouldn't be a full test side. But it'd be a test and a challenge for the tourists, and it'd be a test and a challenge for England, uh, sorry, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And then on that third year, you take a collective British Lions like, like the Kick and Clap Brigade have, and uh, and you make a real sort of conscious effort to collectively take the best players, go over there, and just learn and look at it as a five-year plan. Don't look to win the World Cup. Don't look to win the Ashes or whatever we call that Kiwi Test series. Put put your put your marker in the ground five five years down the track, and I think Wayne did a great job. I'm I'm a big Brian Mack fan, but I think Wayne did a great job, and I think if he walks away from it now, what a waste of. I mean, it was two or three years, weren't it? Because we lost what we lost in COVID. But just give him give him a length of time, like, um, you know, you could put Southgate scenario there. I know they got kicked out, and I haven't watched a minute of football. I made it my goal not to watch one minute of football in this World Cup because I hate it. But I'm obviously, you can't go anywhere without um, 
without being aware of the football and, and what it's doing. And I think Southgate will get another World Cup from what from what I hear. And yeah. I think Wayne should be given the mm-hmm. same should be get, given the same sort of ability to to mould and shape and foster and cultivate all that talent and put that plan in place for the next World Cup. It's not a full time job, but it's not theme. a full time role. Part time role. I agree. Mm. On a similar theme regarding the game and growing the game, Janine asks, what are Barry's thoughts on the ING proposal and plans for Rugby League? What were your thoughts on that, Barry? Well, we haven't really had a plan yet, have we? I think they're still sort of putting all that together. What they've done is they've told us a lot of the things that we already know. To hear somebody say it out loud is great. You know, they they, they mm. essentially saying what I've said there, that the game has too much power within the clubs, within the stakeholders, um, and yes. it's got to be an outside entity that can look at it and, and decide the way forward, which I'm all for that. So you won't find anybody that is not 100% behind ING and what they're going to bring. Mm. The actual details of that and the, 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 the nuances of how we get to being a really big sport or a, a sport that's growing and developing and it, as passionate people that aren't just you know us two and uh, sorry us three and and the people that we know we've got to we've got to capture and pierce the bubble of the sporting consciousness that's the phrase i've heard before and not just you know you i'm I'm not a football fan but a lot of the people that i um, am surrounded by where i live follow football but their second sport is rugby league but that's because they're in a, a hotbed like oldham people outside the north you know, on Northwest and Yorkshire and Cumbria, people outside that, you know, it gets less and less and less as you go further down towards the south. Interesting you mention Oldham, actually, because we actually have a question about Oldham. Um, Ian was asking, another Ian, was why has Oldham produced so many quality players uh, in rugby league but not managed to sustain as a professional club at a good level, unlike similar-sized towns like St. Helens, Um do you think there's a reason behind that? I think timing's got a bit to do with it. If you look back to the 50s and the 60s, Oldham were at the forefront and maybe the ripples of that meant that dads brought up lads and then lads had their own lads and then that generational thing. So I, I make it a point whenever there's a, a, a young professional from Oldham, I make a point of finding them when, I, when they're at the right level and sitting down with them and saying, listen, every good team as an, on Oldham are in it because we live on a mountain it's freezing. We're playing teams where everybody everybody plays football. The, the only reason they're playing rugby league is they're too fat for football. So what we bring <laughs> is that is that resolve and that steel and that we don't bother what the scoreboard says. The scoreboard's nice, but the actual you know uh, pride in performance and 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 spirit and heart and all that that's what we bring. So I don't think there's an easy answer to that. I think. As long as it keeps churning out people like Kev and Scully and uh, Josh Thulis and Jake Thulis, it'll break through next year. He's a, he's a good player as well. Obviously, Sir Jack Sinfield, when he, I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. Um, I think um, I think this will be his breakout year, Jack. So, oh, actually, there's two questions I want to answer the back of that. So, Ian's second question was, if you had an Oldham origin team, i.e. everyone in the early 2000s that were all you know from Oldham, how good will that yeah. team be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think I played in a Lancashire side where 
it was predominantly made up of Wigan Saints and Aldermas, and and and, I, and I'd say we sort of so there was Yestin, Kev, Scully, uh, myself. So that's four, and we we sort of had a few on the periphery as well. But you know, you look at somebody like Mark Sneed, what an impact on what a World Cup he had. He comes away with a with a far better reputation. I, I personally, we all have our own opinion, but. I would have put him in that game somewhere. I would have found a place for him because um, I think he just brings he just brings a level of intelligence with his kicking game that that was missing in that. And you know, it's no surprise that when he's mastered his trade at, at whatever he is now, thirty-one, he's he's won what he's won at Hull. He's got two Landstad trophies um, in his cabinet, and and you know has had an impact where he's been from his exit from Hull. <clears throat> switching up a little and switching sports, um, Carl asks, Eddie Jones was recently sacked by England Rugby Union. Eddie Jones has previously mentioned coaching in rugby league. Um, does Barry think Jones would make a successful rugby league coach if he ever were to switch codes? Well, again, I'd go back to the, you know, the, the same, it's the same thought process behind John Keir. He knows how to simplify things. He knows how to create an environment if you believe what you hear about Eddie Jones, he's quite an hard taskmaster. I, I've mm. worked for a few of them in my time. And it can be an unenjoyable but rewarding experience. You know that mm. if you do what they're asking you to do, most of the time you get the rewards at the end of it. And I'm you know, I'm 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 thinking with my players head on, you'd 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 grab that because at the end of the day, what you want to do as a player is win. It's it's not about whether you enjoy yourself. You can enjoy yourself after. You can enjoy yourself after you finish playing, but would he would he have the understanding of the game? Probably not. But do you think somebody like Wayne Bennett has absolutely, you know, to the second um, modern, you know, modern techniques and stuff? He probably doesn't. He probably just works on the periphery. And I know that from from speaking to Gordon Tellis. Gordon Tellis had a fallout with him a good few years ago, but Gordon said that. He's just an amazing man that just looks after the individual and shows a level of interest that makes you want to play for him. If that's, you know, the version that Eddie Jones does it with, if that's what that team suits, then then of course he could. I, I don't think he'd be in this country because, you know, we can't afford to pay him the money he's been on in union. So he'd be an NRL. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure he'll turn up in the NRL. I think it'll be if we did get him in Super League, Eddie Jones. It's it's a big, high-profile move that would that would would ignite interest. I think so. I think it would be a good move just for the sport in general, especially Super League. If it would happen, yes. um, but I would yeah. be very interested. I mean, he's a winner. Pretty, you know, he's you know, he's yeah. 2003 World Cup final coach for Australia. Obviously, runners up in that one. Part of the South African coaching team that won the World Cup in 2007 got Japan through in their own, you know, the yeah. um, stage in 2015, and then obviously got England to the final in 2019. He's no, he's no rugby mug. He knows what he's doing, but it's how you translate that into rugby yeah. league. It's interesting. Um, and I did hear. I, I'm, I'm sure I heard Carney say that Warrington were talking to him, and Wigan had been talking to him. So it might not be impossible. And we all, we, you know, we'd be more the limitations of, of the salary cap, but there's no salary cap on coaches. You can pay no. coaches what you want. So, yeah, right. To be fair, Barry, you know, Warrington, you know, talked so... to, Warrington talked to everyone, to be fair. So. <laughs> 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 um, talking about sport in general, Emma has asked if you could attend any sporting event in the world, 
which one would it be and why? Oh, wow. Good question, Emma. Well, if it was our sport, it would be an Origin match. I'd love to get over there and watch a State of Origin match. I've, um, I've played at both Sydney and Brisbane, but I think Brisbane would be my preference. I'd like to watch it at what was the Old Lang Park. But if it wasn't our sport, I'm a big UFC fan. I like the blood and guts. I like seeing people get knocked out. I'm, I can't help it. That's who I am. So I've watched the <laughs> UFC in this country a few times. I've watched it in Belfast. Um, so I'd like to watch in Vegas. So that's very much on my bucket list. Mm. Very nice. Good choice. Um, ben asks, I'm interested to know how Barry got into punditry and working on Sky on TV in general. Was it something he had always planned to do after retirement or were you approached, Barry, to kind of give telly a go and punditry a go? No. No, so... I think the way that I would, this is the way that I've sort of formed it in my mind as I've analysed and reflected on how it started. So how it started was being a gobshite in the changing room, thinking I was funny. <laughs> so then eventually... It appeared to be when, a gobshite. I remember, I think, I think it was David Howes when David Howes was working at, at the club in, in a corporate and com commercial capacity. I think he sensed that... Yeah. I was either at the front of everyone's jokes or at the butt of everybody's jokes. So he decided to get me up and do a few Q&As with me. And then it, it developed from there, my ability to hold the mic, hold the conversation. Then after yeah. seeing maybe a couple of those things, uh, James Dayton on Radio Leeds gave me a crack. I did some, I did some um, commentaries with him. Then I did some Five Live stuff. Then I did one or two guest mm. um slots on sky and bbc and then mm. there's a there's a guy who lives not far from from me in oldham and he came up to me and he said and i just finished at uh, leeds uh, before i went to witness <coughs> excuse me and he said we're looking for a, a you know a bit of light-hearted stuff would you and your mate tez like to come on and do some do some work with us on the super league show uh, and then within that, we'll do some commentaries on five lives. So I said, yeah, of course. He said, well, we'd like to give you a formal offer. We'd like to give you uh, a two-year commitment. So um, Tez was really close with Eddie and and sort of asked Eddie's advice, really. And then Eddie went back to our old boss, Neville Smith. And then Neville mm. Smith said, we'd like to we'd like to come to the table. We can't give you a contract or a commitment, but you have my word that we'll try as hard as we can to make you as good as you can be at, at whatever it is that you want to do. So bearing in mind oh. back then, it was boots oh. and all. There was all kinds of stuff going yeah. off, uh, that, not just the bog standard games and pre and post match sl slots in, in terms of how to project yourself. So we just started doing our funny sketches. You won't rem remember our funny sketches. They weren't funny. They were funny to us, but that's about it. But, um, <laughs> we sort of did them every two or three weeks. Every two or three weeks, because I ended up going back and playing for Witness for a spell. So I think the short answer is, no, I didn't intend to do it. And I didn't ever seek the limelight. I just always found myself in it. I just always found myself at, at the centre of everything that was going on. And you can trace that right back to when I was at school. I was I was always good at sport, not great, but I was always good at every sport. So sort of ended up being first, second, or third in whatever we were doing. 
and then in, in the classroom because I was that typical kid that, that wasn't academic, I just messed about. So I ended up being at, at the front, messing about, catching the attention of all the teachers. So I think I just learned to embrace it. Short and the, sh the short story is I've just learned to embrace it and hopefully I'm, I'm on this path of, of improvement and development and, and I'm not there yet. We, 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 we know James Dayton, don't we, as well, Lottin. He's, he's a really great guy, James. So we've got a lot yeah. of time for James. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned earlier about you thinking this is going to be a, a breakout year for Jack uh, Jackson Field, you, or you referred him as, to as Sir Jack. We've had a question from Stephen saying that, do you think we'll be in a market for a six or a seven in 2024? Obviously, because Caesar and Austin's contract, I think, expire at the end of this season. So do you think we'll look to retain them, either of them or both of them, or do you think we'll be in the market for a new six or seven? Well, I'm not sure Blake Austin's a six, let's put it that way. I, I think he's he's an out-and-out -out runner. He might be a 13, you know, he might be a, a pusher centre, but he's in within our team there, he fulfils the role of that second or, or sometimes first receiver. So he, he, he of the two... If he didn't renew, then I, I wouldn't be too bothered. I think we haven't seen the best of Aiden Caesar, not by a long way. But I do think that when they play together, they play really well. And when they get it right, they're better than anybody in the league. I remember watching the Weatherby Whale Challenge um, Boxing Day, just, you know, my mouth watering, thinking, look at these two here, how, how they played together. Because they'd formed that partnership at Canberra went away, did the stuff and then come back and it just didn't happen for them last year. Um, but Blake Austin could turn around and have, a, and have an amazing year this year. I just I just think, I, I like what Rowan does. I, I'm, I'm a real big fan of the way that the team's played under him. Um, I've been in and, in and about the club in the last sort of couple of weeks and everybody's bouncing and I've heard him on the mic a few times when under the bright lights of Sky, he won't say nothing, will he? He makes me laugh because he just he's like, yes, no, yes. But when he's open yeah, and no, when he's okay. talking and when, yeah, and when he's chatting to people who he knows are, are in his camp, uh, I think he's a great communicator. And, and I think if anybody can get the best out of those two, it's him. Looking forward into the future, it's 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 Jack and, and A on A another. I'm not familiar enough with everybody in the youth system but you know big a big addition last year or the year before I can't remember is, is big John Bastian and getting John Bastian yeah. back involved in the in the in the um, youth development a bloke with with buckets of experience that that knows what rugby league looks like in in Leeds and surrounding areas so I think there is another young halfback in there because mm -hmm. I think it was uh, Fergus McDonald. I think because he's he's sixteen, but I think he's signed a full time professional contract. So I think he's training with the yeah, school yeah. now, obviously mm -hmm. around school mm -hmm. and stuff. So the, the, there is that hope for that pipeline coming through with him uh, in Jack. I do wonder though whether, like you know, you said Austin's a runner. Now Cam's rightfully got the number thirteen shirt. If we had another playmaker at six, would it just be one too many playmakers having Smith, yeah. Caesar, and another playmaker? And yeah, adding Cruz well, to that situation as well at nine. And add, add Richie Myler in there as well. There's yeah. a danger when you've got too many ball players that they're all trying to pass it to each other. And it's like a, a hot potato. So, it, again, I've got I've got faith in, in Rowan. And you don't pick a 1-17 to 17 on the first game and go, right, that's it, we're ready. It's sometimes impossible yeah. to get you one to seventeen 
your one to 25 is just as important having having options and, and i tell you what last year taught me more than the year before because there was red and yellow cards all over the place head knocks and hias play such an important part now you can't have a player that only plays one position and you can't afford as a coach to all, already have worked those things out um and speaking to jonesy um during his time jamie jones buchanan when he was sort of in charge but looking at how do i how do i make this bunch of players fit that one to 17 role and responsibility because he had he, he had um peripheral players let's say not first choice players for his third and fourth game and he just had to he just had to do his best and, and fill them with confidence and he ended up did he did he end up with 50 percent? did he jones in the end Yes, one, one two, two did he have drew five one games. Drew, I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So fifty percent. He tells me that anyway. But but the, <laughs> you know, it's it's a skill to be able to get the players that you've got at your at, on on Friday before kickoff, and then after kickoff with whatever happens in the game, have that cohesive understanding within the eighty minutes. I wonder if it's worth just sticking um, on this I... theme, Lottie, of uh, these oh, rhinos. On, have you got on. any more questions? Have you got any more of these rhinos? Because I've got millions of questions I want to ask, especially now that Barry's been in the been in the camp for the last couple of weeks. But have you got any questions? Because otherwise, I'm going to. Say <laughs> I was just going to ask on a on a similar theme about players adapting to positions. Jared O'Connor, obviously, Roland came mm-hmm. in, got older. Jared, pretty much, Jared was originally an edge player, you know, second row, a bit of loose forward. Rowan got his hands on him, Barry, and has kind of converted him into a nine. Have you been impressed with Jared playing at hooker? J- Jared has always had a fighting spirit. And, and let me tell you, I saw that mm. from day one. He's always had um, an inner confidence and an inner strength and an inner belief. Um, he obviously comes from a good house, doesn't he? As much as I, as much as I would like to give him <laughs> stick. O'Connor... Um, and the O'Connor family, his mum, his sisters, they're a really tight unit. They're really encouraging of one another. And they're all doing really well now. So it's not a surprise to me that he's managed to find his place. Now, going, you know, I, talk, I mentioned John Bastian there and youth development. When I was doing youth development, I took over from John Bastian. And what I found when I watched rugby on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, should I say, the best players all wore one, six, seven, nine, and 13. And very rarely was that their position. It was just that those players touched the ball the most amount of times. So Jared coming through, I, I, he even wore even wore seven at one point. Um, Jared coming through as as a, as a youngster within within the Widnes Borough. But um, I think I remember playing him. Uh, sorry, I remember him playing in the forwards, and I mean front row in an England under 16s or 18s game. So that, that tells you he's got, he's got some, he's got some balls. He's got some coon and he won't back down to anybody. He won't back down to anybody. So he's got that right temperamental um, attitude for a nine, 90% temper and 10% mental. <laughs> so no, I'm loving watching Jared. I thought he had, he was obviously the man of the match in that Wigan game. I thought he had a, a good game for his first final because it's it's some some sort of incline in progress that in it for for him. But 
They reckon Sam Walters is going really well in training. They reckon he's training really well, looks fit, looks healthy, happy, motivated. So they're expecting a big year from him as well. Going going to your position then, Barry, because I've been speaking about a couple of people on Twitter. The props in the Rhinos team at the moment feel like it could be some of the strongest sort of setup we've had. So obviously we've got Tetevano, uh, dream team selection in Alensky. We've got obviously young Sangare coming across from Toulouse, who looks like he looks like the biggest of them all. We're bringing Lasoni across, and from my YouTube scouting, he doesn't look half bad. And then you add Tom Holroyd coming back from his injury. You then potentially got Sam Walters. I know you see Sam Walters more on the edge because that's what you said last time, and I put rather than a prop. Yeah. But do you think we've got probably one of the strongest set of props in the pack we've had for a while? I would agree. Yeah, we we haven't been as bolstered for a long time, and Tom Holroyd will be like a new player. Sam Walters is ripping trees. I, I might be wrong. He might he might turn up to be um, a, a brilliant front rower. Uh, uh, the two um, the two things he's probably not got that he needs to work on is is that instinct of when he needs to get involved and when everybody's looking around for somebody, he's got to go. You know, like your JP role, I'll, I'll take it forward. He's got to have that in his game, yeah. and then he's got an offload as well. He's a big, tall thing, so he can get it over the top, and he can he can get it away. If he can master those two things, he might end up being a, a good front row. But Tetevano has always been a prop. He wore thirteen because the role that he played under Rich Agar was as that third prop, that third middle, as they call it. So, uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. the. the the, the new fella coming in, Liz Liz Lizone, is he called? Liz Yeah, Samuel Lissone, yeah. Lissone, yeah, sorry. Lissone. Yeah, he's a bit he's a big thing, isn't he? We've got quite a few uh, Pacific boys come over. I'll have to try and learn everybody's name properly. Uh, but yeah, just I think the foundations are always set. That middle channel, you have to dominate that middle channel. It doesn't matter what era you're playing, whether you're playing Roy Roy Dickinson's era and Stevie Pitchford or you're playing now you've, you've got to dominate that middle channel you've got within the modern game you've got to dominate rook speed as well if you can't control your opposition and you can't dictate the speed that you play at then then you're never going to post enough points and win enough games and obviously being in being in the camp as well obviously you mentioned there's obviously stuff going around about sam walters there's a lot of uh players joining from the championship that a lot of rhinos fans might not have seen mm-hmm. uh yeah. obviously in hooli and leon ruin and uh, James McDonald, obviously I know he was at Wigan, but he was in the Championship last year. I mean, Nene McDonald. Any of those young Championship lads that you've saw that there was something that was standing out that you're expecting to probably play a bigger part than just a squad player? I do like James McDonald. He's got a bit of he's got a bit of um, dog in him. We call it. You know, he's got he's got a bit of fight in him, and he, he comes over. and I listened to an interview he did, and he says, "I'm coming over to be part of the first team squad." and Make it make it a regular a regular selection option that that I get picked. So so I like that. I like that about him. I think he'll be the one that will be more often than not picked. We we know everybody else. Give or take, you know, give or take some of the lads that have joined from from um, from other places. But what what I think the way I interpret that is, we've got good kids at the bottom. We've got a couple of big stars around that top we haven't, we haven't got enough stardust but we've got a couple Nene McDonald might be a, a really good player we just need to get him fit but what it looks like to me is they've filled in in the middle and they've filled in in those yeah. 
21, 22, 23, 24 numbers were instead of having your kids in that those slots, you brought somebody from Batley or you brought somebody from, you know, a championship club that might have 50 first team games with, with and it, and it's it is a big consideration that you you pick kids and you put them in the first team and most of the time it's the first time they've played against men. It's not just yeah. the enormity of, of playing in a Super League match. It's the enormity of playing against men. So, so I think it's a sensible recruitment tactic. Whether it's the right quality or not, I, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I'm willing to go with it because I understand the rationale behind it. Mm. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> It'll work. I believe in Rowan. Um, a me- uh, a message. A question from Duncan, one of our regulars on the lot pod. Who would be your three dinner guests, your three perfect dinner guests to a Christmas dinner, Barry? Dead or alive guests? Well, I'd have to bring The Rock because I do. I like yeah. him. I think uh, me, and him, me and him would do some damage on that Christmas dinner as well. He'd have to let me go first. <laughs> um, I'm going to be corny and say Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali fascinates me. I think his life is just too, unreal. Yeah. It's unbelievable what he managed to achieve in and out of the game. He, he, you know, I mean, our lad there, Kev, what he's doing and the impact he's having. It, it's not mm-hmm. too far fetched to say that when when I first retired, um, a, a mentor of mine, Chris Gibson, said, "What you don't want to be is you don't want to be reflecting on your career going." That was the highlight of my life. From the age of 18 to 35 is the highlight of your life. You want to be just constantly challenging yourself and looking to surpass what you achieved as a player. Mm. And Kev's doing that. I try to do that, but Kev's doing that unbelievably well. So mm. so I'd have The Rock, I'd have Muhammad Ali, and who would I have? Oh, you put me on spot now. Third one. Third one. I'd have to have Peter Kay. I'd have to have a laugh. Did you get I'd tickets? Because no one, everyone no. else seemed to have got tickets. I bloody didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. I didn't either. I'm hoping one of my very caring kids has bought it me for Christmas. <laughs> I bet speaking, of a, speaking of presents, actually, there's a question here. Have you ever bought a present for your wife that she's absolutely hated? No, because I think I'm quite, um, I'm quite thoughtful. Me, it's either you know a new cover for her ironing mm-hmm. board. Or occasionally I'll splash out on a new iron. Pans. I'm thinking of buying one of those air dryers. Not not, not uh, air, dry- air fryers. Air fryers. <laughs> air fryers. Air fryers. Yeah, I'm very kind, aren't I? Yeah, you can tell I live with a house full of women. <laughs> and I told you before we started, I made the tea tonight. So I'm all you right. Did? Really big potatoes here. I'm, if I'm not hoovering up and tidying up, and ironing, I'm making meals, so don't believe me. <laughs> well, I'll friend. Um, Will asks, of the new signings coming over to Super League for the 2023 season, who is Barry most excited to see play? Any new players coming to Super League? Um, excited to see next year, Barry? I'm fascinated to see how Warrington do. I really am. I think... Uh, I've always I appreciate a certain style of playing. I like Josh Maguire when he played in the NRL. Most of the time, I think I'd love to get hold of him and knock his lights out. But he'd be one of those. I'd like him. To be, 
I'd like him to be playing on our team, but I, but I'm looking forward to seeing what he offers because he puts it about a bit. Him and mm. I know we saw we saw Dylan Napper come over with the same attitude and didn't quite get that right. It's no surprise he's been released. He he missed more games than he played last year. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a blockhead, aren't I? I like to see the front rowers. There's there's a there's a number of of um of big forwards. I'm not a, I'm I'm not an admirer of Paul Vaughan, but we'll see what he brings. I think I think Warrington, mm. yeah, they need to get it right this year. He's a, he's a he's a good mate, Paul, and I want him to do well, but not that well. I think one of the ones I'm interested in is um oh what's his name going to Huddersfield. Uh, the guy that like Jake Connor going to Huddersfield yeah. because Jake they haven't Connor. given him the number one, have they? Mm. They haven't given him the number one. I don't think. All right. Have they given him number one? Or am I, am I making I that think up they've now? given it, I think they've given him number one and I think they put um uh uh Oh you're right, sorry, they've given Yeah, sorry, they have given 32. him Will Price at thirty two. Yeah. Will Price. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I think Jake Connor's quite an interesting one now to see how that would go on at Huddersfield. There's well, Taki listen, Catalan as well. If you think, if you think, I forgot about Taki Aho, but if you think that the way that Ian Watson structures his team, it's, you know, they've definitely got a maverick. They've definitely got a lot of control and they're very deliberate on what they do. They can play and they can score exciting tries. But Tui Lola here is given that free reign. You can't give Tui Lola here and Jake Connor a free reign. Mm. It's the opposite of what we were saying with the Leeds spine. If you've only ever got passes in your Leeds spine, then they're all trying to pass to each other. If you've only ever got runners in your spine, then nobody passes to each other. It's not a signing, but would you wear um, that Lee Leopards kit, by the way? No. No, I don't think. No. Shite. <laughs> the word, shite. It never would have signed for Lee with that kit. No chance. No, we were talking about this off air, weren't we? Over to you, Lottie. No, um, he's, he's, just before we go off, uh, off Lee, he's brilliant, Derek, isn't he? Because he just does things, just... He, he does what he wants, mm -hmm. doesn't he? He does what he wants. And um, yeah. there is a connection. There is an actual connection between Derek and, you know, South Africa and Safari and all that. And he, he'll tell you in time. It might be out there, it might not. But my word, when it, when I saw the pictures of the Jaguar at the side of the Lee Leopard on the shirt, I just laughed. I just thought, oh, my God. Only in rugby league. <laughs> Perfect rugby league. Um, another Christmas question. Harriet asks, what is Barry McDermott's perfect Christmas present? What would be a perfect present for you this Christmas, Barry? A new ironing board cover, um, an air fryer. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm easy, me. I'm easy. I'm a, I'm a dad, aren't I? Socks, gloves. Um, I'm walking the dog three times a day. <laughs> Um, underpants, yeah. At this time of year, and it is Baltic here. It's minus mm. four, minus five. Wow. Even my dog don't want to go out. So, <laughs> um, yeah. What type of dog I, have you I got, Harry? Staffy, little Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Yeah, and that that doesn't surprise me in a weird way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Why. It doesn't. No, he's a good dog, though. What's yeah. your dog called, Barry? 
What? Sorry? What's your dog called? Max, because I got him from Bolton. <sighs> Max, Max and Paddy. And Paddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, road to nowhere. <laughs> Not watched that for a while. My um... first dog were called Tyson, though. <laughs> was it a boxer? I've had three staffies. No, I've had three staffies. I've had three staffies, and my first one were called Tyson. Who's here's a here's an obscure fact for you. Me and O'Connor bought the brother and the sister. Yeah, he oh. his were called Daisy, and mine was called Tyson. That's that is in a nutshell who me and him are. <laughs> Very strange. Um, we've got another Christmas question. It's from Laurie. Um, and Laurie's clearly been thinking about these pres- uh, these questions quite quick um, deeply. If Santa got stuck up your chimney, how long would you leave him up there? You haven't got a chimney. You haven't got a chimney? All that answers the question. He can't get in, can he? No. no. He's not getting in, Bally's. No. Oh, dear. Over to you, Lottie. Uh, question from Robbie. Did Barry ever receive any offers... From other clubs during his time at Leeds, do you ever get any lucrative offers in your, during your time at Leeds? That yes. Tempted you away, Barry? Yeah. No. Um, only because typically I sign short-term deals, what twos um, yeah. predominantly. So over ten seasons, uh, as you come into the end, um, and I only had an agent when I first came. So for seven, eight of those years, I'm doing the negotiating myself. So. Um, uh, Newcastle Knights came in in 99 um, wow and at the same time Wigan wanted to take me back Mm. Um, I said no to Wigan because they had got rid of me Um, and I didn't want I didn't want and this might sound a bit insincere this I didn't want to smack in the face the people that had opened the door to me so think back to 99, we'd gone through through 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. So we'd been on that journey of getting there or thereabouts. Mm. The following years weren't weren't yeah. as, as I thought they would be. But I thought we had such good kids around us. We had such, you know, Grim Murray were the coach and, and you know, I loved playing under him. So I didn't know he was going at the time, um, but before I signed the contract, I realised they were going, and Dean Lance was coming in, um, and then and then prior to ninety nine, ninety eight, I'd had me trouble with Graham Murray, so I had a conversation with with Bradford, believe it or not, but oh, I just no. couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it, but I didn't know. Is the correct that point? <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I tell you what. So Damien McGrath, who was the assistant coach, Anthony McGrath's brother, the cricketer. Damo was my coach and um, I, I was just at my wits end. I hadn't made the team for the first grand final, didn't know, couldn't couldn't do anything right. It was in one of those places where the harder I tried, the worse it got for me. And uh, Damo yeah. just said, well, you, you just need to sit down with him, ask what he wants you to do, ask what he wants from you on a match day and will he help you during the week to try and perfect and, and practice those things. And we did and we ironed it out and I love 99 and I'm really glad I'm really glad for all the reasons that that are so special to me now. I, I, I love going back to Leeds and I love the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter whether I go once a year, twice a year or three times in the same week. 
everybody's happy to see me. Everyone's smiling, and um, and yeah, it's 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 me home from home. Mm. I'm glad you do feel the love when you do return to Headingley to Leeds because you are without doubt one of the most popular Leeds players ever. So I'm glad that you feel that love. It's lovely. It is. It, it's lovely, but very, very, um, very. I can't always see. I pl I would say I'd say like this. I think I played with better players, and I think in terms of on the field, there were better players than me. But there isn't many players that I played with that are held in the same regard. So it goes back to like mm -hmm. me, 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 Muhammad Ali and Kevin Sinfield theory. You know, you put you put mm -hmm. back. At, I, I spent eleven years after finished playing, and I and I'll I'll still turn up. Uh, it's funny actually. I got an invite from the veterans fan club the veterans fan club you have to have been a fan of the club for over 50 years and they have a christmas dinner every year wow and uh, yeah. they'd, re they'd requested that that i go um so i got a lovely invite yeah. and i'm looking around and thinking this is brilliant this i recognize two-thirds of the room but then i started to mm. think actually i'm not far off being the other side of this now because i've been connected mm -hmm. to the club it's so what is it, 26, 27 years? So I've not long to go before yeah. I'm the one that's filling in the sheet asking those players to turn up and have, have Christmas lunch with me. I might not be able to remember me on bit. I might not even realise that I played the game by the time I get there. But, You'll be asking for yeah, Jack it's, in it's 20 special. years' time. Yeah. You'll be asking Jack to be go along, yeah? pick me up and drop me off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very special place. And I know you true lads think about it and, and, and you're passionate about it. But when you get to the inner sanctum and when you get to to be respected and adored and, 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 and adored is a strong word, but, you know, you certainly feel that adoration and, and it's something I never take for granted. I'd, I'd always, I've got to do my job when I work on Sky, I've got to tell it how, as yeah. it is. And if Leeds don't mm -hmm. play well, I have to say as it is. Um, yeah. but, but Leeds are the team that I follow and Leeds are the team that I'll always... You know, I'll always pick up the call to if if I can ever help out and I can ever do anything. And you know, I've said to them, I've said to a couple of them, uh, at some point I'll I'll end up probably going back and doing something. I don't know what it'd be. It, it might be cutting the grass. I don't know, but I'd like to go back. Yeah. Oh, well, we've had Ryan Golding on here actually. So you could we could always ask him if he's got yeah. any jobs going. I'll be his apprentice. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah. apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, me and me and Eddie feel incredibly lucky. Because I know, I mean, you've coming on for a second time, which is amazing. But we, I mean, me and Lottie have just messaged, you know, we've just messaged a couple of people on Twitter, you know, to have to be able to speak to yourself, to be able to speak to Danny, um, you know, to speak to Rob Oates, you know, from the club and yeah. Ryan. Like it, it, the rugby league just has that, it has yeah. that connection, that great. But they get it. They get it. They've they've received, and this is this is the gift you've received. But you've also you've got to repair that. Mags is a great supporter of the club. Um, I've no doubt if mm. Mags has not got a game, he'll be there on Boxing Day. I've many a many time I've, I've sat with him and we've watched the game together. And also you couldn't mm. get a more passionate um, Rhinos man, could you? I've, I've made the mistake no. of standing with Oatsy at a couple of games, and I, eventually <laughs> I've had to walk off. I've had to walk off because people are looking at me, going, "What kind of language is that coming out of that potty mouth?" <laughs> <laughs> he did say he does get carried away. Yeah. <coughs> We've both seen him in the away end a couple of times. He needs um, carrying away. We've seen him more than once. Yeah, going crazy <laughs> in the away end. Yeah. You, you um, prefer that though, don't you think, Barry? That someone like Rob, who has a 
on a high high level at the club, but does engage with the fans, does go in the away end, will have a beer, yeah. He just mm. gets it, and that we're all, you know, we're all connected to the club by whatever whatever brings us in. Yeah, but it but it's a cul-de-sac, isn't it? You get in and you're never getting out, and and that's that's absolutely fine by me. I, I intend to be, you know, there or thereabouts. I, I live forty miles, um, thirty-five, forty miles down the road, but you know, it's uh, it's a really ple- pleasurable experience to turn up at Edinley, and I think the stadium's magnificent. You know the facilities are magnificent, but it's the people. It's the people that make any organisation. You know, you you love him or loathe him, but Gary's Gary's played a part in that. He's been the constant throughout my time at the club, and then and then closely followed by Rob and the people that come in and support the club, sponsor the club. They become our friends. Then we end up. You know, I'm I'm I've been uh, on the phone to to one of the sponsors this afternoon, and, and we've got some stuff that we're talking about. And you have that personal relationship with everybody and it is what's unique about rugby league but it's also what's really special about our club so i've got two i've got two final questions and i think i'm going to stick in terms of riders because i think that's a really good place to end for us the my, my two questions to finish off uh, are one what do you think of the rhinos kits for next season i like the dark blue one they showed me that yeah. if you if you yeah I like it. I like it. It it, it, it actually reminds me of what, one of the Tykes kits. I didn't want to say the Tykes had a very mm-hmm. similar one, but um, I like the dark blue. I, listen, we all love a traditional kit, don't we? We all love a blue and amber, big hoop, and two lines either side. You can't go wrong with that. But we do have to mix it up a little bit. Um, I'm not a big. Yeah. Is it teal? Is it is that the colour? It's not very nice. It's what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't but like that I, one at all. I didn't like the pink kit last year, but Billy, my son, loved it. That's the kit he's got. He loves, mm. he loves the pink one. So you do have to give variety. You do have to keep changing it up. If we just went with blue and amber every year, everybody would still buy it, but maybe you'd skip the odd year. Um, it's yeah, a good question, a actually. You know, we were talking about um, one of the old kits. Yeah, I wonder. Ah, there you you know, I wonder what that would like if if that made a comeback. Oh, you can see me. Oh, we did. The, um, <laughs> we did. Do, we did. That did come back as part of the retro kits they were selling, didn't it? That one. I that saw one it. Came out, yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Um, because I bought mm. the jockey kit as I mentioned earlier. But yeah, I, I yeah, do. Yeah. I do get you mean because one of one of our listeners did say back to us that yeah, they have to change it up, otherwise it's just the same every year. There's always going to be people yeah. that don't like it. Now, I'm I am a traditionist. Yeah. I do love the the blue and amber. And I think last yeah. year's home jersey probably was one of the best home jerseys I think we've ever had. You know, I don't yeah. think that'll be beaten by Oxen. I think, no. I think that would yeah. perfection that kit. Yeah, just that with the subtle things with the sevens from Rob and just the proper, the old type yeah. of the traditional shirt. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. So yeah. I think for me, I'm probably just coming off that high of, of, that, of that jersey yeah. and I loved it so much. I mean, the only well, jersey... Well, the blue I... and amber and the traditional one is obviously, it's, it's, it's the one where everybody goes, I've got to have that. So... 2003, we had a yeah. yellow kit with with blue bits on it. That was Franny's. 2004, yeah, it was it was predominantly blue with some yellow flashes on it. And then 2005, I was involved in the Patrick design, and I went all day and all night. Give me a thick hoop and two either side, yeah. and the same on the arms. And my the, the shirt that that we had in 2005, and we got to a couple of finals, and we had a good year the year before sold like that so you 
you think, you know, maybe next year it will be back to traditional, but we have a connection with certain certain kits and we look at the, 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 the I nearly said the footage, the audio that you played. I can see that kit with, with yeah, Ryan. I shut my eyes. I can see, I can see yeah. Ryan all going like that. And, yeah. and it's funny, actually, you know, who's going, oh no, <laughs> who do you think shouting that? <laughs> I can't remember. Steve Hall. It? It was Steve, wasn't <laughs> no. it? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. No, was it not? No. Who was it? Oh, who is it? Keep guessing. Keep guessing. Phil Clark. <laughs> so Clark, dark blue, light blue, with a little bit of with a little bit of amber in it. You know, that's a really that would be if that got brought back in years to come because you'd go straight away. Twenty fifteen, trouble you. I mean, 2015, it wasn't really yeah, traditional, yeah. but like that is one of my favourite shirts just because of the season that we had in it. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, sorry, my, my other question was, what would be your expectations for Rhinos uh, next season? Grand final win. Oh, obviously, Mr. Delusional in the corner there, who was saying <laughs> grand final when we were second bottom, and somehow he was right, somehow. Um, Almost. <laughs> you were. Uh, but yeah, realistic expectations or delusional, whatever you want to go for, but where do you think we'll be? So realistic end of year. So every year I'll put down my predictions and I'll and I'll do it before a ball's kicked. Um just because I like to do it and I've done it every year for the last 10 years. And it's interesting to see where you end up and whether you're mm-hmm. whether you're miles off or whether you're correct. I'm, I'm wrong oh, here. Wait, oh, oh you've got him on screen. Right. So we've got oh, Wakefield in 12th. 11th Lee, 10 KR. All right, okay. Nine Cass, yeah. eight Warrington, seven Salford, six right. Catalan. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, second, I, I think second. It's, it's definitely top four. I think it's probable three, possible two. So, everything goes, you know, in terms of suspensions and injuries and all that. I see us definitely as a top two side. There are so many other factors that come into play when you're looking at your season. Yeah. Um, but then grand final, I, I think it's it's got to be a top four finish. Otherwise, we've gone backwards. Um, and if we don't if we don't make a final, then I think you know it's a missed opportunity because we've got what we had last year and we've added more quality. I know we've lost a few, but I think we've added we've added quality and we look a we look a better balanced outfit and we've got. We've got a few players, and as we said about filling filling in at the middle, we've got a few players there that you just don't know. They, they might end up being the find of the season. A grand final win. That's what that's how I translated that. <laughs> <laughs> grand final win again. Uh, Barry, it's been when great I was to have on the podcast last time. Do you remember when I was yes. on the podcast last time? I do. Do you remember what we said? Yes. What did I predict? Yes. Did you predict a grand final? Yeah, I did when we were down near the bottom. But yeah, did, did I believe it? Did I believe it? <laughs> of course, you did. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, we we had listeners. Yeah. Katie was good. You just far too delusional. Then, as it, but yeah, we just yeah. rode with the delusion, and then it got close yeah. towards the end of the season. I think we had a comment back from one of our fans, our supporters, and listeners going back, going, "I, I believe you now." <laughs> I think that yeah. was at Wigan. Yeah. It becomes. It becomes. Barry told you. We told you we're going to get to the grand final. 
it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and they have that much momentum they have that much belief and as i say i think ron smith's a great player great player great coach and he's only scratched the surface really people are, are, are still trying to work him out um but I, but i do i think we've got a good squad got a good chance but i also i think smithy with hull will be, will be very very dangerous um catalan you're never sure what you're going to get with catalan and then and then Wigan Warrington you can flip a coin for what year that they're going to have but I see it being even more competitive than we had last year I think so I think you're right yeah Barry it's been great to have you on as always thank you for returning you are as Reese said at the start of the podcast our first ever returning special guest so thank you very much we will finish with this last question You've been on previously, and with all our special guests, we do a teammate section. So we'll ask you about your ex-teammate, who's the funniest. There's been a bit of a theme when it comes to who's the tightest teammate. Uh, Danny Maguire, Danny Ward, Francis Cummins, a couple of others have mentioned Keith Sr. I do think we're going to have to try and get Keith on. to. You did say him as well, along with Alan Tate. Is Keith Sr. that tight? Yes, yes, unbelievable, unbelievable. But I, I will say this, he's not ashamed of it. It's not like you're giving a secret. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. And you'll have to get him, you'll have to pass on our details so we yeah. can get him on to answer yeah. it. Because literally every I, I side of the I'll have a word with him. I'll have a word with him because I'm, I'm probably going to see him next week anyway. But I'll leave you with this. Now, people, people always ask me, the question they ask me is, who's the toughest? And I always say, you know, I always say, Moz, JP, Ruben Wickett, uh, Shane Webke, all them. But mm. the top of my tree is 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 Rob Burrow, toughest without a doubt. But yeah. I would put Keith on any list. He'd, he'd get in most most players from my era would have Keith in the centre because he was tough. Easily. He was formidable, carrying the ball, defending. He was just ultra reliable. And then on the biggest stage, he was in his element. But his pain threshold was about that much. Um, even when he was getting, you know, sort of, we, we had an old masseur called Tommy Smales. Tommy Smale had rub, rubbed the skin off your bones. And and yeah. Keith just just flat out refused to get on him because he was too, he was too painful. <laughs> so Keith's pain threshold was that. But when it came to game time, this yeah. is how tight he was. The best player I ever played with was Keith if he was in the mood and if he felt like he needed the extra cash and he needed the extra money because it was the single motivator for him in his performance. But after the the try bonus before Christmas. Oh, yeah. There were nobody celebrated like Keith celebrated. He'd fold them socks up, put him in his bag and sell them on eBay. <laughs> Barry, it's been brilliant. Thank you very Great much stuff, for coming guys, on. As have always, a good, have a good Christmas and a happy new you year too. as well. You Cheers, too. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.